Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Markets that saw a mixed type of action. We saw corn to the upside. It was lower on the soybeans and up on the wheat trade. Flip the page to the livestock side is where we're going to start today. Live cattle were higher. Mixed on the feeders and definitely lower on the hogs. A lot of things that are kind of got the finger in these market pots, shall we say. It's Kyle Bumstead joins us with Allendale. And want to talk about the fact that we saw live cattle up once again today after some higher numbers uh, yesterday. Is this going to be the trend for the week for these cattle? Well, it is. first of all, Susan, thanks for having me back. But I, I do think that uh, we're starting out the week here really, really nice, uh, you know, on firm ground here. It does look good. I'm not going to uh, pin any of this on last week's cattle on feed report because that was basically a non-event. We knew that uh, during the month of December as we watched the spreads play out that the uh, January cattle on feed report was going to be a non-event. Now, the attention for me is turning out there to a further out uh, June, August. Uh, spread as I'm watching the January cattle on feed play out here as it's going to be out here in February. But uh, to answer your question, it does look good here for the first couple of days of the week. Now, can they sustain it? That's going to be the question. I think we're going to have to have some uh, you know solid cash or some firm cash here in order to sustain this rally that we're seeing in the futures here. But looking here, what we've seen the last couple of sessions, and it looked like here today on Tuesday, we saw some short covering here by the non-commercials here as they'd been kind of liquidating their position down here as of the close. Last Tuesday, they were liquidating as the commitments of traders showed us, and I think that there was some short covering happening here again. Uh, case in point, yesterday on the feeder cattle, that open interest declined almost 1,300 contracts on uh, 18,000 300 volumes so that told me there was some short covering going on in the feeder cattle and rightfully so they were getting uh, over they were getting quite a, a short position built up there and uh the last week or so they've had a pretty uh pretty tough go of it here kind of like the hogs we'll get to that in a minute uh but they they were oversold and they were due for a corrective bounce now uh we have the makings for putting in a v-bottom on the feeder cattle chart i would have liked to see us close just a little bit better on feeders which there's still some hope there for that, but uh, I'd like to see him close a little bit better today. So is there, you know, we were talking before this, all the talk of, and chatter of heifer retention. I think every producer has a different term of what's going to be a heifer retention. But what are you hearing? Is it going to be slow to start? we got to wait for this weather pattern change, get some greener grass before we see it happening? Well, that's a very good question. I'm glad you asked that. appreciate that. Um, so far... Uh, there has been, I, I'd say it's, uh, it's split right now as far as heifer retention versus non-heifer retention or sending them to town and getting placed in the feed yard. Here in the central United States, uh, you know, Nebraska, South Dakota places, people are looking at their hay pile and they're looking here. We're sitting here the 24th, 25th of January. We've got sub-zero temperatures coming and we've got, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 inches of snow depending on your area. What's it gonna take for me to get that heifer to June 15th? Can I afford to do it? I mean, with the interest rates the way they are starting to creep up there, is it gonna be better off for me to move that heifer now and then try to replace her next year? Or what's that case gonna be? So it is kind of split right now. I do look for some of that uh, optimism and holding back some heifers. I think that's gonna come closer to spring as we start to see if this moisture pattern really has changed and we get some spring rains. but. We've also got to remember, at least here in the Sand Hills, some of this grass was grazed pretty hard. And I think it's going to take some time for this grass to really come back and recover before we can start really loading these pastures up with uh, with young heifers again. It, need, it needs, needs to recover a little bit here before we can start doing that. But there is some optimism when you look at the, the bigger picture, because we do know that the, the feedlots are full. Um, and I don't know anybody more optimistic than a cattle rancher. 
That is true. That is true. Cattle feeders, uh, they're they're optimistic, and I'm optimistic too. Uh, but I'm just looking out here. We're still we're still not really in a bullish situation here. You've still got all this premium built out there in the defers on both the feeders and the live cattle. And you know, a couple of months ago, January feeders were trading up here north of 180, and everybody said, by the time we get there, it's going to be there. Boy, they'll be there. They'll be there. And here we are sitting here looking at index cattle at 177 and a half. We're seven dollars off our uh, highs we had of 184 and change here not long ago and that premium's gone so that's a fear that i have with this march contract especially when the sentiment was uh the first of december boy after the first of the year it's really going to go it's really going to go these feeders are really going to take off after the first of the year and they really haven't done that we had a couple of good we had a couple of good sales in there which really popped the index up after the feeder or after the holidays there the, the the slow feeder movement during the holidays and whatnot. But once we got through that and the Merck had to revise some of those numbers back down, our index cattle really haven't taken off this month like the trade had anticipated. And that's why I think these non-commercials had built a short position because there really was no reason for them to be extremely bullish. But that could be somewhat changing. Those spreads have narrowed a little bit, but we still need cash to lead this thing. What about the hogs? I mean, they just have been on this negative bus and can't seem to get off. Well, as a as a friend of mine told me, you need a note from your mom and a note from your doctor to trade hogs if you're speculating. <laughs> so um, you get a laugh out of that one. But uh, I think uh, I think this hog chart. I was looking at that today. There is some hope there. I'm not not there yet. I would have liked to see him close green here today. But for the uh, April contract to come back off its lows here, dollar uh, thirty seven and close almost unchanged. That looks pretty good. We could almost call that a spike reversal. We didn't close green though, so it's not technically a textbook, uh, you know, spike reversal. But those charts look ugly. Uh, the daily charts are way oversold, but the weekly charts look like there's still some downside momentum that could happen here. So there are some seasonals coming up here in the hogs here. Uh, looks like in about a week and a half, almost two weeks, there's some, uh, there's some seasonals coming up here in this lane hog complex that could start to attract some buyers. But we also, uh, we also need, uh, the, do we need to see the technical picture improve in order to get those buyers to come back? All right, well, stick around, folks. When we come back, we've got a lot more to look at as we continue with the Tuesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We'll finish up with what's happening in the livestock side. Switch gears a little bit. Maybe some spread action going on in the corn. We know that there's a lot of influence as well being watched with this crop in Argentina. And in the end, what does that mean to those that utilize the crops that are growing? More is coming up. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? Well, sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Kyle Bumstead. And, you know, Kyle, I always uh, tell folks a lot of times I wish they could listen into our conversations um, during the commercial break because we got talking about the price of beef. We talked about um, and the consumer side of it. And it, it really does bring up a valid point because we know that there's beef in the in the freezers. We know that there's beef leaving the feedlots. But there's the consumer that's looking at their pocketbook going, OK, what am I going to purchase? What protein is going to lead its way into my cart? 
Well, that's correct, Susan, and that's that's been a major concern of mine. Uh, even clear back in November, I remember we talked about this uh, right after Thanksgiving, and we were just getting into the holiday season there. And, and it was a concern that I have, and I still have that concern: is how much money is the consumer willing to spend here? We we don't have any signs of uh, the Fed's going down, raising of interest rates. Uh, even looking here on the farm side of things, operating loans are getting close to you know knocking on close to double digits in some operations and so is uh, long-term and short-term livestock is getting close up there too so how much money at the end of the day is the consumer willing to spend i realize that you know maybe per capita beef is one of the cheapest things but at the end of the day it's all about gross dollars or, or net dollars being spent at the cash register and that is a concern that i have especially when you look at the credit card debt skyrocketed through the holiday season Yes, it always goes up during the holiday season, but they are, there, there is a lot of debt being carried on credit cards right now. And with the interest rates doing what they're doing, pretty soon something's going to have to give here. Well, having said that, we look at what, what's being moved. At what point should the cattle industry get nervous? That's a good question. I think, uh, I think we probably need to look at here... Um, we need to really keep our eyes on that credit card debt. We also need to keep our eyes on interest rates for not only the consumer, but for our own self too. I mean, you know, it, it looks good and, and you know, the, the move in the futures looks good. It's higher, you know, cash feeders somewhat have been higher on certain types of cattle. I get that, but are we really making any more money at the end of the day? That's the question. So it's all about the bottom line, Susan. All right. Over to the uh, grain side of it, uh, grain prices, as we continue to look at the fluctuations that happen there. Uh, first off, with the, with this corn market, corn and wheat are higher. There's some optimism going on in that trade right now. But is there some spread action going on for the corn? Well, I think there is some spread action going on in the corn. I think there's some commercial sales being made, and I think we've been moving some more grain to Mexico um, or unknown, as uh, as it likes to be uh, to be said at a lot a lot of times here. But you know, looking here uh, yesterday, I really didn't think that it was warranted for us to be down that hard. The only thing that uh, I saw was maybe some non-commercial liquidation. As the last commitments of traders, as of last Tuesday, had uh, had them adding position. I think they took some of that off, but overnight. You had to back this market up and find buyers, and that's exactly what it did. And, you know, we went down there. That 666 mark is, is kind of like a magnet to this corn market. It seems like December traded at 666 for a long time. March is trading at 666 as well. That was our daily low. So I think we get south of, uh, you know, 660. We start to find buyers, a, a lot more buyers here. And uh, looking out here at D's 23 corn, same set of the same situation there. We went down to 583 and three quarters yesterday. That would have been the four-week low. We held that. And now we turn that thing back around and above 590. So looking at here, it would not surprise me if March corn tries to make a run 680 to 685 and December corn tries to make a run back towards 595 to $6 based off round number reliance. Corn really likes round numbers and uh, that's what we're seeing. So we're also seeing, like you said, in the spreads, the spreads have picked up and that's what indicated there's some commercial business being done out here. But I am hearing anecdotal reports uh, throughout the countryside that there's a lot of unpriced grain out there. So Keep an eye on your keep an eye on your bottom line there. I mean, look at your basis. You know, look at what your cash flow needs are going to be, and and judge from there. Some say a little bit too late when it comes to Argentina and and the needed rains. But having said that, what are you what are you seeing? And are we going to closely be watching and assessing where this crop is at? Well, I think you're seeing that day-to-day here, case in point, the soybean market. Uh, when we got to about 10, 30, 11 o'clock this morning, there was a weather model that come out here. It added just a little bit more rain in certain parts of uh, Brazil and Argentina, and the bean market softened back up, too. And I think uh, the bean market softened up a little bit, too, on the heels of soybean meal. 
and uh, bean oil as well. That bean meal chart looks like it's put in a reversal here last week, a key reversal in the weekly chart. So, you know, there's there's some more downside coming there based off technicals. If you want to look at it that way, you could see this March meal contract back up to 440 uh, and then maybe on down to 400. I think that's getting a little much uh, given the livestock situation we have here. we got plenty of hogs, obviously, when we see that uh, train wreck of a market over there. And we still got plenty of cattle around, too, to feed. So there is still good domestic demand for both corn and soybeans. It's the export demands is still the wild card. And, of course, the wheat market as well has had has interesting struggles with the way the weather is. But at least for those folks in Oklahoma and parts of Kansas, we're not going to get the extreme temps that we're going to get in the upper Midwest over this next week. No, that's correct. And depends on your area. Um, there has been some moisture out there in the panhandle of Texas, panhandle of Oklahoma, you know, southwest Kansas. So there is a little bit of moisture out there. I'm not saying it's going to save the crop because I still think that uh, – there's some uh, concern of uh, a crop that's died out due to drought and whatnot from last fall. Case in point, looking at that July, uh, September uh, Kansas City wheat spread there, depending three quarters carry. All right. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? You can call me here at the office at 308-708-7340. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.